Welcome everyone to the Siren Sonic Sound Off, where I, Philip, and I, Dwayne, discuss our impressions of the latest story to appear on television. And of course, tonight we're discussing the giggle. So just before we start, the uh, formal work through Dwayne, just give me a short general impression. What did you think of the episode? Well, this one had me enthralled all the way through. I thought it was a fantastic story. I thought the acting was superb. Um, I love uh, Neil Patrick Harris as the toy maker. Um, and I loved the new canon that was supposed to divide everybody. I don't have any issues with it. So I'll, I'll probably talk, go into more detail about why that is and, and how how I feel about it after. I hope so. Well, I'll just be even briefer. I loved it. It was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to discussing with you. I've not discussed it at all with you yet, Dwayne. So looking forward to what you're thinking. So we might just work through this just sequentially bit by bit. Um, and just, you know, anything you want to comment on as, as we go along. So let's just start off with the cold open. Um, so we went to Soho 1925. I wasn't expecting this. I expected it to take up immediately from where we left off last week. So it's a so bit of a I. surprise. Mm. Um, but what do you think in terms of that, the uh, cold open and what happened there? No, it was great because we were introduced to the toy maker immediately and in a very, very creepy way. As I said, I'm a huge fan of fantasy style Doctor Who. I've always been intrigued by the, the original story of Love the Mind Robber. Anything that, that goes into that fantasy style, I find really creepy and I love. And I think the, the cold, open, cold open handled it really well. Um, yeah, I think I, I enjoyed it. Got me in. Loved it. What did, you, what did you think about the outrageous German accent that we started off with? I couldn't quite understand why it was so outrageous, but, and was it ever really explained? I don't think it ever was, but um, not being German myself, it didn't bother me, but it did strike me. I, I did think that is really over the top. What's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> but I it mean, didn't bother it me. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't realistic in any way, and I think it wasn't supposed to be. Because later on, the toy is going to do French accents and American and English and... Yes, he's going to tra travel around the world. Um, that's, yeah, I think he does his genuine him. accent too, like the actor's genuine accent at one point. So you've got to spot that in the story. Okay, I must have missed that. Now, in terms of John Logie Bird and the discovery of television, did you know anything about him or that? Not a thing. Not a thing. And I, I watched this really early this morning, and I've had a very full day, so I've not had a chance to look up anything. So I don't know if you have, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, well, it's all true. So I, I must admit, I, I vaguely had heard of John Logie Baird. Um, but yes, on the 2nd of October in 1925, he did do his first television broadcast um, with Stooky Bill, which was a head of a marionette pu puppet. And yeah, so everything, everything was true in terms of, and it was, I think it was five images a second, rather. I think, I think television is currently 28, is it? I forget Not how many sure. images per second is. But it was five, and it, it, so yeah, all, all that was historically accurate. I mean, I, I don't think the assistant part was accurate at all. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the rest was there. And once again, Doctor Who did its job of making me actually go and look up history and go, oh, I, I'm not sure about that. I'll go look it up, which is what I did. I must okay, say, so the, hmm. uh, the image of the, the dummy has been in the promotional material, and I've been looking at that thinking, I wonder what that relates to, and... So very quickly, we we discovered what that relates to. Um, it had been a question that had been burning in my mind. I wonder what that is. So, um, yeah, I, I always find those kind of dolls creepy. So, 
yeah. Uh, a tick for me in the scary department. Yeah. And, I mean, and a lot of the broadcasting teasers had been early television images and flickering images and things. And so, yeah, that was all referring back to here, which, you know, it, it wasn't a huge part, really. Well, I guess in some part it was. I mean, actually, well, let's go with that in terms of um, Stooky Bill and that image, because in terms of how the toy maker takes over the world is using that image and having it implanted every screen. And so, you know, when the South Korean satellite went up and finally uh-huh. linked the entire world together, um, suddenly we had this, this now... Um, the whole world could be taken over for the first time in 2023 with that new satellite. Um, what do you think about that idea of just using an image from and that, that arpeggio chord as a way to take over all humankind? It reminded me of a couple of things that have been done before, particularly with the impossible astronaut um, and the laugh. You've got the sound of drums, that kind of thing. So there were, it felt like it had been elements that had done before, but... Um, it didn't bother me that it reminded me of those elements because I still found it quite interesting and intriguing the way that it was done. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Doctor Who being self-referential isn't a bad thing. I mean, they, mm. they even they they even talked about the sound of the drums, didn't they? In terms of you know, the I forget what the satellite web thing was called, but they actually said, "Oh no, we've, we've looked. There's no nothing like that. They um that web of satellites happening." And yeah, and, and I must admit, I thought Impossible Planet is how the Doctor defeated the silence was by putting an image into exactly you know, yeah. every image. So it, it was stuff that had been touched on before, but, yeah, it doesn't bother me that it did that. Um, so we then moved to immediately today, and we find out what the issue is. Um, so the issue in terms of um, what did the, the man, which I must say wasn't the best acting job, but the man the doctor stops, he says that everyone thinks they are right all the time and they won't change their mind. If you try to argue with them, they go mad. And they talked about that every opinion is supreme. So everyone shouts and everyone cancels. This is the game of the 21st century. Um, yeah, a bit of social commentary there, but uh, you got to, you, you can either criticize it or you can look at it and go, yeah, he's got a point there. And I think I was looking, I was more looking at it going, yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty bleak view of the world, though. I mean, it's interesting. Russell is generally very positive about humankind. And, when you look at when the show first started and things like Gridlock, where there's a positive spirit about humankind, this has been very, but this episode in particular, in some ways or three, have been fairly bleak towards mankind. Um, but yeah, it's interesting isn't it, in terms of what's going on in terms of social media. And yeah, and, and I guess in many ways, the last couple of weeks have really emphasized everyone shouting so loudly their opinions as facts. Um, I think I talked about Including week, Russell, by the way. <laughs> he's, yeah, been yeah, yeah. With the, he's been involved oh. with the shouting as well. So yeah, I, I, I immediately thought, hmm, a little bit a little bit of hypocrisy there. But if he's including himself in that, well that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I think well, it is well, I think it is very true. There is a lot of shouting going on these days. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe when he wrote this, you know, eighteen months ago, he wasn't he wasn't planning to partake in all this shouting. No, everything was still secret, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, and, and certainly things were being seen, you know, I, I think, you know, since really, I mean, in many ways, Trumpism has made made this more loud and broadcasting with, you know, different sides shouting each other um, and proclaiming their rightness. And so I do wonder whether when Russell wrote this, that's more what he was thinking about. But when you actually see how loud fans have been shouting 
the last couple of weeks about stuff. Um, and as you say, Russell getting actively involved in all that 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 noise. Um, it ends up being probably truer than and, and closer to home than probably Russell intended when he wrote it. Truly, though, it's not just Doctor Who fandom. It is it's a microcosm. Doctor Who's just a microcosm of the of the rest of society at the moment, and that seems to particularly American society. Um, so, yeah, I, I think yeah. Yeah, he had a good point there. I appreciated what he was trying to say. Yeah, and so, social media allows us to attack people and not feel like we are. And it's interesting that when you can actually talk to someone or get back to, into their, people will usually backtrack with their views and just say, oh, no, no, I was just, it's just an opinion. Um, but people are just very harsh in their words on social media and not often realise. I think, I think Nick Briggs has commented before, hasn't he, how mm. often he's hurt because people, and they even, you know, they even tag him in their awful comments about stuff that they hate about what he's doing and not realising there's a person behind this or there's people behind this who have created and worked for this. And you may not appreciate it, but you don't have to shout out how much you hate it or hate them because of it and then tag them into it. So it's, it's a pretty bizarre world that we're in at the moment. Hmm. Um, now, actually, let's, let's talk about the toy maker Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I must admit, Neil Patrick Harris is a, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I have loved him for years. I, I loved him. I guess I first got to remember How I Met Your Mother. I know he was Doogie Howster, but I never watched that show. I, yeah, and I've never watched either or anything that he's really been in. I don't know him at all. Okay. Ooh. So I, I, I know him from Broadway as well because he's done a number of Broadway shows that I've watched and seen. He's hosted the Tony Awards. Um, and if you get the opportunity, just, just YouTube Tony Awards, Neil Patrick Harris, and he has done some of the biggest most amazing openings you can imagine. Um, dance numbers, magic tricks. Um, he disappears on stage. He reappears somewhere else. I've still got no oh, idea. So that's how, how he did. juggles so well. Yeah, he, 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 yes, he can perform. He's a brilliant performer, amazing singer, amazing dancer. Um, it's, I, they could have used him more than they actually did. I, I was a bit sad they, they didn't use him some of those talents more than they did. Um, most of those card things he was doing was him. Um, the, the only one I'm not sure, they did do one close-up of hands with, at one point, but everything else you could see, he, he was doing everything. He was doing the juggling. He was doing the card tricks. He does magic. Um, amazing singer, amazing dancer. What did you think of the toy maker, though, in terms of how he played him and the whole character? Oh, absolutely loved him. I think he brought... Michael Goff was great. David Bailey's been great in Big Finish. But I think he's brought something extra special i think he i think he really bounced off david tennant very very well uh so much so that i was just i was it was like a magnetic force keeping my eyes on the screen it was that good it, i thought it was really good yeah it, it really was yeah every, every scene that he and david were in and and catherine tate too that that first scene where he's juggling and throwing balls out um just the way the two of them are reacting to him the stage show and when he's being a marionette, you know, he's controlling, puppeting. Um, yeah, I had a whole new respect for Toymaker. I, I must know, I've been meaning to go back and listen and watch the Toymaker episodes from The First Doctor, which I'm now sad I haven't done because having watched it today, yeah, he's really shared that character in an amazing job. Um, we've talked about using all kinds of accents and just making it huge. Um, what about the whole element of games? Do you think that the, the games element came out strong enough in the episode? I thought there was a level of simplicity to the games, and I don't know whether that was just for time. Like, 
there was there was one game in particular, I think, when they were just drawing the, the deck. And yep. that, that took about five seconds and it was over. And I thought, oh, is that it? Like we had the trilogic game in the original story uh, that went over the full four episodes. And then this card game happened really quick. So I don't know whether that, that was just a a matter of exp expediency for, for time purposes or whatever. But um, that that was my only little niggle with uh, with that. I just thought they were too simple. And, and yep. what was the last one? Was it? Tag or something just, like that? It was tag, wasn't it? The, the, between the three of them. The, the, throw the ball. It wasn't tag. It was just don't drop the ball. That's right. Was, yeah. Which, which, which once again, it was, it was fun, fun, fun watch. It was funly, fun filmed. But I would have hoped there would have been some sort of clever ending that, rather than just the toy maker drop the ball. Yeah, so I, I guess that I would have liked a clever little conclusion to why he missed the ball, whether you know one distracted him or so, they just did something together. Um, which which would have which would have worked better, but I do think you know just the war where he was just on the gun, ruthless. Um, what did you think about the whole dance sequence and the? It, it was the um, what was it? What was the song? The it's a Spice Girl, Girls song. I don't know the Spice, People Spice of the Girls World. Song. Is that what it's called? Pe People <laughs> of the World. What what did, what do you think of the Spice Girls number? It was fine. It was great. I I, I really enjoy it because I said as I said I like the fantasy stuff and that incorporated lots of fantasy, and um. That, I mean, that's what the toy maker's all about. He's not from this yeah. universe. So it made perfect sense. It's been, it could be criticized if I put my critical hat on. It's been done a lot in, in New Who, because um, we've had the master well, do it. Three times. We've had, the master twice. Has it, has it been, has it, has it only been three? It, fe it feels like it's more. But well, anyway, I'm it was wrong, in the last. The, the master's to Twisted Sister in um, the. Conclusion of the third season, and then we had Ra Ra Rasputin in the last show. Mm. This is that I think it's three times, twice the master. I don't know. It's for some reason it feels like more, but okay. so I was reminded of those times. But it doesn't bother me because the Rasputin one was good, the master one was good. It all it was all good. I, yeah. Like I've got no issue with it at all, um, and I th and I enjoyed it. I really did. I, th I think the level of sinisterness in this too, even it was. There was levels of which it was just fun, laugh out loud. Um, but then, you know, he's dancing with Kate. So I thought that's actually fun as he's dancing with Kate Stewart. But then when he throws against that wall really hard and savagely, it was sort of good grief and then does the same thing with Mel. And then yeah, when there was two I know, But she didn't hit the wall, though. She just slid al along the floor. She I did. did think it would suck to be a man in that room because it was all the men that died. The women got away scot-free. So the toy maker must like the girls. Yeah, well, I think it was, it was only... Was we don't know. No, there, were, there were women on the platform outside, so there was the, the two men tried to grab him, and they were turned into all those balls. And then it was it was a pretty horrific scene where, um, is it Shirley? Shirley, the ball bounces in Shirley's hand, and it's the face, the head of the guy screaming in in the ball. Oh, that's that was, right. Yeah, that was really disturbing, and yes, made made you realize actually because you're laughing in one sense, and you know as he's you know they're firing the petals, he's you know doing the angels in the petals. Actually, there were they, some really disturbing bits throughout, actually. I thought the marionette yes. scene was really disturbing as well, but really effective. I thought it was fantastically spooky. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was great. Lots, lots of things. Um, now, of course, the, the toy maker talks about the reason why he likes the Earth so much is because of the games. And I was amused by the fact he talks about, you know, all the kids stay at home to play with sticks and, and they get pleasure from, you know, putting bricks on top of bricks, you know, making a joke about Tetras which, of course, was a fairly big film recently, too. So that, that was amusing. 
And he also discusses, I mean, it's the throwaway, and I meant to go back and try and get the wording, because he talks about the um, the game of dating, um, where people lie, text, ghost each other. And it was just sort of a really, once again, bleak view of relationships that came through there, which is why, you know, because the doctor tries to convince him to leave. And at one stage, you think, yes, he's going to actually go and leave them. But then... It's just this really negative view in terms of, no, no, humankind is more fun to stay here because of all the games you play all the time. Um, and keep in mind, the toy maker may have been there since 1925. So he's been watching human history through all that time up to yeah. 23. So, yeah, I'm not surprised yeah. he loves it so much. <laughs> and playing his games and doing all his nasty things as well. We, let's go back to the toy maker's realm because the, the doctor goes back to 1925 and into the shop. How did you find all those sets and that whole, all those scenes? You, you've mentioned the Marinus already. What did you think about the whole scene set in the, that Toymaker's realm? Yeah, that was that was crazy, wasn't it? Going through all those doors and and sort of getting lost. It reminded me a little bit of the original story because they they get to a point, see the TARDIS, and then it's not a real TARDIS. So it was similar in that respect. Running through all the corridors, getting to a door, there was something else um, that they didn't expect, and yeah. Of course, it's not as drawn out as the original serial, so they had to get through that real quick. But, and I've only seen it the once. I haven't. You probably have you seen it a couple of times. I've said twice. Hmm. Yeah, I've only seen it the I, once, so I probably need was, to see it again to get the full impact. But I, I, I loved it. Yeah, it, it shows the brilliance of the direction too, because that would all they would have only made one set of corridor and doors, but by changing the angle or the cameras, changing the colours and the lighting slightly, it kept feeling like they were moving from corridor to corridor to corridor to corridor. Um, and we're really lost and caught up in like a maze. So I thought that was very cleverly done. Um, the thing that really creeped me out was that whole scene with Donna, with that mother doll and the baby dolls. Um, oh, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> that was so scary. It reminded me so much of the spirit of the original story. That's what yeah. that's what the original story was trying to do. So. Um, we're, if we get the episodes, well, once we get the animated episodes, we'll see. We'll see what that does. But um, if if they can be as creepy as as this, um, yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Of course, one of the really exciting things, which I wasn't expecting, really. I mean, I, I worked out during the week as a photo, but Melanie was back. Um, what did you think about seeing Mel? Right. This is where I was waiting on tenterhooks for Russell T Davies to actually explain how Mel got back. And when she did explain how she got back, because we know, us fans know, that she was off in space somewhere with Sabalon Glitz. And it was explained in, what, a five-second line? What happened and how she got back to Earth? I went, excellent. This is good writing. This is good storytelling. Uh, I was left feeling a lot better that it wasn't it was not just left in the air and hanging she'd suddenly appeared there it was nice to have that explanation but non-doctor who fans wouldn't have even un, sort of they just would have gone up washed over them but for me as a, a long time fan uh, i thought that was very important to put in and i i really appreciated that yeah i've said i've said a couple of times that one of the things that russell does brilliantly is in a sentence or two he can define a character yes and mel mel was lucky enough i mean he farewells Savalon glitz lived to 100 years old and died tripping up a whiskey bottle, which is hilarious. Um, but then he, with Mel, yeah, I mean, it's the whole she got a lift off a of Zingo 
whatever that means. But who, you don't need to know. But she got a lift back from Zingo, um, whether it's time travel. Wasn't that the alien that was there in in unit? Wasn't no. it the alien that was? Was that? No, I thought... no, that's good. no. That alien's got a different name. Okay. Um, no, good, that's a good point. But no, that's and that that alien unit, by the way, voiced by Nicholas Briggs. Did you know that? Oh, is that right? I didn't look at the credits. Yeah, the, yeah no, no, I went through the credits really slowly, and Nicholas Briggs was that that alien voice. Um, well, just yeah, one but... thing about Mel is um, mm. there was there was some hints dropped about I, I, I haven't got all my Mel history uh, in my mind, so I, it may already be out there. But she hints on being an orphan. She hints on something happening with her parents. Uh, and she says, do you remember what happened to the doctor? And he sort of nods knowingly. So something's happened there, which has been left dangling. Is is there actually something in Mel's history that, I'm, that I've forgotten or don't know about? I think, once again, she was such a two-dimensional character when she was in the show, and they never did anything properly with her. Russell, in 10 minutes, gave her a couple of lines, which gave her some depth, some emotion, he, she actually used her computer skills for the first time ever. Oh, she did, didn't she? Windows. She even mentioned the language she was using. <laughs> the language she was using, and she was actually an expert in computers. It was, yeah. Apparently not as fast a typer as Donna, but an expert still. And so uh, she, I would have loved her to have had a hero moment. I, don't, I think it was a shame that she didn't get some major moment to really... She, she, carried, she was so loyal, and the doctor said, look after the box. She had the box there. And she trapped the toy maker in the box, so she was she was there with the box, and she was there, of course, by the doctor's side. But yeah, I would have loved just a little bit more with her to, to, to do. But certainly, what she had just comes to do down to time. Just, there was just yeah. not enough time. I, no. I kept thinking this could have been made into this could have been the whole three part single story, you know, on its own and stretched out a bit longer, um, which is you know a shame for me in in, in some ways. But, but we, also, um, we know she's got more to do because we know she's back next yes. season. Yes, yeah, we've seen her on the back of the bike with uh, with Shooty. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So so there's a lot more to happen, and the groundwork's been laid. So with that in mind too, what do you think about the whole unit setup in terms of we now have this amazing unit set? We have the building, we have the platform. What do you think in terms of what what we've seen of the unit so far? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, it was it was interesting that it's back in a big way after being shut down. <laughs> in the last couple of years so um yeah it's had a it's had a nice revival as unit yeah. and um yeah i like the i like the dynamic between kate and and shirley shirley's a name isn't it surely yep i mean, I mean yeah, good. We, that's great dynamic there we've seen a few different soldiers come come and go in terms of captains and things um Actually, you mentioned before that they're only because we saw the two guards inside die. We know that everyone on the platform, and there were women on the platform who were all thrown off the platform by the toy maker. Um, so yeah, there was a bit of a death count that we didn't see, which is probably good that we didn't see it because we needed to. Um, just knowing he's bad, but I think we know that there's a spin-off series coming. We know that two scripts have been finished, and Russell has them. So it sounds like the fact that Russell has the two scripts suggests. He may not, not have written them. And all the rumours suggesting it's going to be a unit spin-off. And you can really see that it, that setup is being made now for that to happen, if that's what they do. Maybe maybe Russell's got other plans. But in terms of, you can just see the potential in terms of having a core unit base, world problems. Um, even the 10th Doctor can come and still be involved, and Donna can be involved. And the opportunity to bring back Joe Grant, Ace, Tegan, 
etc for what you know, for special little shows here and there um you can really see the groundwork's been set up for that possibility and um i'm looking forward to seeing you know what this you know one of the, one of the good things about disney is they love the spin-offs and when russell was hitting control last time with both sarah jane and torchwood um i love what he did and i'm looking forward to seeing what spin-offs we get but if it's some unit stuff i'm excited by what what the future could hold um Anything you want to say about Kate or any other unit crew? Um, I've never been a huge fan of of Gemma Redgrave as as Kate. Um, but you know she's she's there. She's established now. Certainly doesn't have the magnetism I think that um, Nicholas Courtney had. That's for sure, as the brigadier. But um, but you know I mean she's she's part of the furniture now. So. Uh, I think uh, if if there I is think, a spin-off, think, to... yeah, I, I think I kind of like how she plays the role. It's very—I mean, she's very understated, very just... too much so for my liking. But that's just yeah, me. It, it's interesting. I mean, I was the, the actress. I think she's very similar to Barbara Bain, who was Helen Russell in Space in nineteen ninety nine, and she was also in the nineteen sixties Mission Impossible series. Who was a very subdued, quiet actress, always in the background. And she reminds me a lot of her, which is just not much great. facial expression in Barbara Bain. <laughs> no, no, but but yet, I always loved her performance. I, I, I always thought it was real and truthful. And I mean, just even the way that Kate just came up, looking really stern, just walked up there. I thought she's going to slap him, and then just gives him this quick hug, and then let's go. And it's just sort of this emotional thing. I'm so glad you're here. Now, what do we do? And, you know, that's that. It's. I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember exactly what I was feeling in that scene. I was thinking, oh no, she's just going to slap the doctor again. This has happened before. Here we go. And then she gives him that hug out of the blue. And I thought, oh, that's refreshing. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that I, I appreciated that scene. Yeah. Nice moment. Listen, I think we, I think we should get to the fun part. So the first 45 minutes, I think everyone will agree. It was a fun ride. It was fast paced. It didn't stop um scary levels of, scary levels of threat adventure um you know the, the kate's especially how do i fight human beings you know how do we solve this problem there's a bit of anti-vax messaging in there because you know people wouldn't wear their armbands trinity wells was back so good to see trinity wells back um but being an anti you know an anti-vaxxer what were the armbands called that's that um i think what they were called but Can't just remember. the fact that she, you know, she refused to wear one because yeah, it was like all a conspiracy theory and they're trying to suck her mind dry, um, which was just you know, having a bit of a go at the Yeah, there's a few political things. There's that anti-vax message you know, in there. The scene with um, the politician talking about the fact that I don't care about any of you, I don't care about me. And Donald's like, well, nothing's changed then. <laughs> um, so there was, there was enough in terms of you know, bit of political stuff thrown in there, which I thought was amusing. Um, I guess some people might be offended if that's their more their lean and party. Um, but let's let's get to the regeneration. Were you expecting it to happen when it happened? Um, I don't think I was. I, I had heard the rumours that this was going to be the regeneration, um, but I think I was taken a bit by surprise with the toy maker suddenly zapping the Fourteenth Doctor through the heart. Or the hearts. I mean, how many times have you watch these shows with the baddies? Think he just shoot the doctor, like you know, there's, there's, yeah. You know, and this time this he does it. And this guy, <laughs> he did it. Like sort of, oh, like it was. Uh, 
And the thing was, I still knew there was so much time to go. And so I was thinking, wow, we, you know, we actually got to regenerate the Doctor this early on. From the but show. the, the I, interesting thing is he wasn't doing it to kill the Doctor. He was doing it to force the regeneration because it was, you know, best of three. Yes. So his his reasoning was, well, I've bested the uh, the best the first doctor bested me, then I bested the the uh, the fourteenth, and um, got to got to go for a different a different a different doctor once again. So I think, and and then I think what happened it took the toy maker by surprise as well. <laughs> yeah, and it, was, and it was lovely to have those couple of um, color scenes to flip, flipping back to the first doctor and the toy maker. Yes. Um, yes. Marty, can I say, I'd love some other Doctors to get mentioned. The first Doctor now gets all the mentions all the time. There are some other good Doctors in there too. <laughs> Anyhow, it's always the first Doctor. Well, they, they do get mentions in, at the end in the in the dialogue. So um, the, I think pretty much every Doctor gets a mention in, in the dialogue somewhere, toward, particularly towards the end. Right. What is this? If you, you remember when he's talking with his eyebrows, that's a reference to the third Doctor, obviously. It and is. There's other, yeah. there's other bits and pieces too. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. The, here we go again. There's a yeah, there's a few quotes like "Here we go again." There's the Alonzi tenth Doctor. There's the, it feels. And when he was time. regenerating, he said it feels different this time. There's the yeah. fifth Doctor reference. Which is funny because you know. that's his father-in-law. So I thought that was amazing yeah. that yeah, <laughs> throwing in that that one. Um, but anyhow, so 15 minutes before the end, we then get this. What's it called? A bi generation. Bi generation. Bi generation. So rather than a regeneration, you get a bi generation, which. I knew there'd been some rumours. I'm not sure. I definitely did not wanted to listen to them all. What was your reaction when suddenly Shooty and the we got the fourteenth, the fifteenth Doctor together? Well, now that we're talking about it, it's coming back to me. I don't think I expected it that far from the end, uh, and for Shooty to have so much involvement in the action from then on. Yeah. Um, so it was intriguing. I was intrigued by the idea. I was curious. Curious to know what would happen. I'd heard uh, Russell say that this is going to upset. Well, newspapers had reported that uh, artic online articles and things like that had reported that Russell had said that this was going to upset diehard fans. So I thought, oh, how is this going to upset me? And as I was watching, I'm going, I'm not upset so far. So let's let's see where I'm going to get upset. And uh, it's interesting because I never did. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you were upset. I, I, mean, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I mean, there's, there's been, I mean, I'm still curious to know how it works exactly. I have heard that Russell was saying, I haven't had a chance to listen to the commentary yet, but apparently the commentary he talks about the fact that um, because the 14th wasn't due to regenerate at this point, then the Suti's come back um, and that's why they've got the bi generation. And then at the point at which the 14th Doctor does finally come to regenerate in the future, he moves back to this point and then it goes for, I don't, I don't know, I don't quite get it all. Um, but anyhow, we've got this overlap. It's not supposed to be, you know, the fourth Doctor who regenerate again later to someone else. It's supposed to be the idea that you've sort of got this double link of time at the same time for a while with these two Doctors. So it's not um, a separate Doctor that we've got now? No, it's, it's, it's not supposed to be a separate Doctor. It's, it's the fact that, because Sudi talked about the fact that the Doctor is healed and that's why he's healed and he's calm. Because the David Tennant Doctor, the 14th Doctor, has gone and healed himself. So, you know, there's the whole idea that the Doctor has been running, running, running and has gone through all this stress. And, and once again, those scenes in the, in, in the, um, the marionettes where the, the toy maker takes the Doctor through Amy, she's dead, 
um, Clara, she's dead. Um, Pearl, oh, not Pearl Mackie. Um, I thought that was so powerful, especially when he yells, he yells, yeah. so that's all oh, right that's, then. That's all right then. And of course, yeah. it's not all right. And and, and, and the fact that this is, oh, well, that's all right then. Well, that's all right then. And just that was just so powerful and so awful. And so, you know, in, in many ways, the doctor's been damaged for a long time. And so to keep that damage going would have been distracting. And so Shruti is a new doctor who is fully healed because the 14th doctor goes and heals himself. Um, and so that's why the, the, the Shruti has actually come from the end of the 14th doctor's time, not that point where the toy maker shot him. So that's what I say. It's, it's supposed to be the idea that you know, Shruti's been brought back to this point, but the 14th doctor has gone on, lived his long life, done all these what he's needed to do to heal himself. And then he comes back to, he gets brought to this point where Shruti then goes from. So Shruti's going from the future of the 14th Doctor when he's healed, is my understanding of what Russell's saying is happening. Well, um, that's confused me a bit more than what was in my head. <laughs> okay. Maybe I explained that very badly. I just, I just thought it was a, it, it was some kind of uh, regeneration crisis and, and, a, and a second sort of Doctor has been pulled out of. Because... Because what this did for me is it made me think about, because obviously in the previous story, they referenced the Timeless Children, uh, and it's, it seemed to be that that was remaining. It wasn't getting retconned. It, it wasn't getting ignored. It was being mentioned. So it made me think about this bi-generation thing. And, and for, for anyone who wanted to, well, as I'm thinking that Shooty is a sort of a separate doctor to the 14th doctor, I thought, well, perhaps... Back in the past, if you want to keep the timeless children and sort of um, have your own head cannon in that, that the timeless children could have happened, and then uh, there was some kind of bi generation where the William Hartnell Doctor appeared, and for some for some reason his memory was not there of his of his past selves, but was separate to the other ones. So. I don't know. That's that's what I was thinking. That, that that somehow this could be worked into the timeless children somehow. Possibly. I, I mean, I think yeah. What what is being set up is we have years of possible stories to come, <laughs> and yeah, we, we've got the freedom to use the the tenth Doctor and Donna as much as we want. Um, we'll see what happens. So, Shuti Gatwa, what's your initial impressions of him? Instantly, he was so confident in the role. I don't know if you got that impression uh, yeah. like I did, but I thought he is instantly in there. And I have no experience with the guy. I tried to watch Sex Education. I could only watch one episode. The show didn't interest me in the slightest. No, so I, I can understand that. <laughs> so I, I didn't continue with it, even though he, I knew he was in it and everyone was raving about him. Um, but I just thought, and, and I've only seen him, the actor, in interviews and things, and he's so different which makes me think, well, he's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, and I just think he inhabited the role instantly, which is very exciting. It is. Because I saw him interview talking about the fact that you know, he, he grew up watching David Tennant and Catherine Tate playing the roles. And so to actually be on stage with them, he found terrifying. Because you know, and when he went to drama school, you know, they, they had to watch David Tennant's Hamlet as an example of quality acting. And he remembers, you know, being in drama school, thinking, watching David Tennant, thinking this is this is the most amazing actor. If you know, this is what we need to try and aspire to as an actor. And suddenly he's now playing against him, um, the same role as him. So I mean, it must have been a very daunting. 
more daunting than most doctors who get to, you know, lie there, regenerate, and then they get their own show. He had 15 minutes side by side with a hero of his, David Tennant, who is a stunning actor, and once again, act the socks off, yeah, so much. Marty, he, he, him, Catherine, and um, Neil Patrick Harris, the three of them were just astounding together. Um, and then suddenly he has to jump into that cold and Sarpik being the doctor and start, you know, giving his personality. I just thought, what an amazing job. Um, and I he did, didn't, it did, you couldn't pick up that he was nervous, that's for sure. And as I said, no. he felt like, he felt like the doctor straight away to me. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. And, and he had to do it without, without any pants on. Because, yeah, well, know, <laughs> when, I was trying know, not to look. <laughs> oh, I just thought it was so funny because, of course, you know, when, when they split, they split their clothing between yeah. them. So it was, yeah. a good, it was a good, a good thing that um, that Fortin's doctor was wearing an undershirt. Yes. Um, otherwise, <laughs> David would be wondering where just the best no shirt on. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't mean that David Tim was going commando for the whole <laughs> last bit of it because shooting got the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I was, I was just, yeah, once again, very cleverly done. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited by seeing shooting, and I've, you know, seen the promo for for Christmas. It's just going to be so much energy. And I think what we're seeing is people are whinging about, some people are whinging about the fact it's just been too playful. But I actually think that's, that's where is we're it? heading for. Yeah. Well, it is fun. And, it, it, and Russell is having lots of fun and doing silly things. And, you know, every, every, every episode, even last week's, which was, has, you know, admittedly the most scary and, you know, uncomfortable of the three episodes, Deliberately started with a very silly scene. Um, Russell's just saying we're going to have fun. The the Doctor Who now is going to be fun, and you know, And as I look back over the last few years, I don't think the show has been fun. I, I think I think I said after the first episode, I had more fun watching um, the Beep Meep episode than I've had for ten years. And not saying there hasn't been some great episodes in later. Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. There have been some superb episodes there, but not fun. Yeah, but you said they were dark and bleak. Yeah, yeah. It, it just hasn't been fun, and I and I think Russell's now saying, and, and yeah. Well, once again, we'll see. We'll see how dark Russell takes Shooty, you know, at, towards the end of the next season. But you know, looking at that first episode with him, you know, dancing with his kilt on, um, and jumping from you know ladder to ladder, and just having a ball. And it just looks like it's going to be just a, a, a ride of fun for a while to go. And you're going to get your musical number in the next oh, episode. With, with the troll, we'll see. With the trolls, trolls, <laughs> what are they? Goblins, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, what about the, the 10th Doctor's happy ending? Are you? I mean, I must admit, I, I was so chuffed uh, with that whole last scene. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it went on for a while. But just to see the Doctor happy and just to see him with Donna and her family again, when Mel turned up too, the orphan, um, that Mel's being included, mad Auntie Mel, um, it just was just lovely because it, it is actually an ending. And for all those Doctor Who fans who were just you know, up in arms about, you know, the show's never going to be the same, they can leave now and the Doctor has his happy ending and they don't have to worry about it because the you know, Doctor Who's ended, the Doctor's happy, he's on Earth, he's with family, he's the happiest he's ever been. You can just leave now and that's okay because it's got his happy ending. You don't have to watch any more. But to me, I just thought it was just a beautiful way to wrap up these specials. Um, did you look? Did yeah, you there was some great. Stuff? There was some great dialogue there when he was referring to um, other doctors as well. Like with the eyebrows, made me think of my one of my 
personal favorite eras, the third doctor era. And there were other bits and pieces through there that were great. It was, and you know, we've, we've chatted with Bonnie Langford on the show and she's a lovely person. And it was lovely to see her in being a real person, not the pantomime person that she was when she was yeah. in the show. Um, that was really nice. That was really nice. Yeah. yeah just some, some amazing character moments. So, yeah. Um, now, once again, one of the issues that people have been saying is in terms of 60th anniversary has it been special enough. I've been reflecting on this episode. We had a multi-doctor story now because we had the there you go. To the 15th doctor. So, yeah, yep. for those We've never had a multi-doctor it, story like that before. No. For those who wanted a multi-doctor story, we had it. <laughs> we had favorite companions brought back in both Donna and Mel. Um, we had an old villain from 60, almost 60 years ago, come back in the toy maker. Yeah. Um, so I mean, units, the, units there from the sixties and seventies. Yep. Yeah. So all these people that have been you know, saying, I was not anniversary enough. I actually think all the components that you want an anniversary story are there. It just hasn't been trumpeted as an anniversary story. It's just happened in many ways. It's a bit like the three doctors. Where you know you suddenly put pulled together these doctors, but it wasn't trumpeted as, as this big anniversary story, bigger than Ben Hur thing. It was just the doctors came together to, against a powerful foe, um, a godlike foe, a bit like the Toymaker um, from another realm. Actually, boy, there's some similarities with the three doctors. <laughs> um, and it was just another story, a good quality story. And I, and I actually think these three specials have all just been high quality, bring back the audiences. The audiences don't want so much history and past that they can't understand. If you want to bring new people on board, and and Russell, you know, choosing Susie, who's is probably the most popular doctor they've ever cast. Um, I, I'm not saying he's the best actor because I think you know I think you know we've had stunning actors in Peter Capaldi, David Tennant, Patrick Troughton, were all amazing actors, like spectacular actors. Um, I think. Uh, I love the other doctors too, but in terms of being able to act anything and take on parts, I think those those three in particular have shown they've got a, a some depth to their acting. Um, but so, but Shuti Gatra is more popular than any doctor's ever been. I mean, he has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and TikTok, and so in terms of people knowing who he is, um, actually, I don't know. It's probably even bigger than that. Um, yeah, Russell's chosen a very popular person. So that's, yeah, he, so he, he needed to make sh three shows that were going to be accessible to the, this new audience coming in. It's, it's my daughter's age, who's, you know, 19, who adores sex education, I think it's the best show ever, who is going to start watching Doctor Who, who has started watching Doctor Who. She's watched the specials. She's not been interested in watching Doctor Who before. But knowing that Suti Gatwa was coming in, she started watching it and was so excited to see him back. You know, because she's she expected to see it at the very end of today's episode, and so he's there for you know a quarter of the episode. Mm. Um, so I think that Russell's done some very clever stuff in who he's picked. Very good. Any other comments you want to make? I mean, that's, that's so much more we could talk about, but that's not bad. Oh no, I think we've we've talked lots and lots about it. Um, I think overall, I, uh, with regard to the three specials overall i've got issues with the first two which you know about i've talked to you about uh but this one was almost almost everything i'd hoped for and the character of the toy maker i love it when they bring back characters from the past and do justice we didn't mention the fact that you know the masters 
preempted to come back. We don't know. Oh, yes. Was it as well? Is it almost a repeat of the scene from the um, end of time. End of time. No, oh, and and the end of end of end of season three. Uh, Last of the Time Lords, wasn't it? Last of the Time Lords, where you know, mm. he's, he, when you know, the ring drops down, and yep. red painted finger, fingernails reach down and take the ring. So there's so the. There's the, the question: master. whose whose hand is that that picked yeah, up the we, tooth? And you know what? I mm. don't think Russell knows yet. Like I don't think he knew who picked up the ring, either in the Last of the Time Lords. I don't. I don't think he knew who it was. I think he he decided later who it was going to be. Um, and yeah, so we, we the setup is there for the master to come back, which is hilarious. It is called. It's also a takeoff, of course, from um, Flash Gordon, where the same thing happens with Ming the Merciless's ring drops when he dies, and an, an, an unknown hand comes and picks up the ring. Um, so it's it's a it's a great trope, but yeah, that was set up. I mean, I mean, so we've got the ring set up for the master. We have um, uh, Meep talking about the fact that the boss is coming. Yes, we didn't know who we that talk- was. We've, we've got Mavity that we, wasn't resolved. No, Mavity wasn't resolved. We still got the toy maker talking about people coming. Well, who, who was he? To, he was saying Legions was coming. So he also yeah. talked. To, so that's right. We, yeah, so there's we, a lot in there that's that's foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. So these three specials have set up a lot of things for the future, which you know Russell may or may not deal with, um, but there's certainly setups there for all sorts of excitement to happen down the track. Very good. Anything else? No, I I can't think of anything else now. I think yep. uh, I think we've mentioned. I think I mentioned all the things I wanted to mention. Yeah. No, we did get some feed- We did get some feedback from the previous uh episodes on our youtube channel um you know what i i thought we could read them but you know i think we should just skip them if, if people are keen to go and read the feedback we, i mean we really appreciate the feedback and i think we've responded to most of the letters we got um they are diverse in opinion um you know there's there's you know, one which is um i think uh the great burst um, made a hilarious comment about the fact about the poor fourth doctor being squashed in the tree, the apple tree by the TARDIS. Um, you know, <laughs> having talked about this, expected that to happen. Um, there's a bit of discussion, um, about you know, Dwayne and I had some strong views, different opposing views, um, on um, casting and color casting. Um, and there's a bit of discussion about that back and forth. Um, some people thought I was right, some people thought Dwayne was right. Um, it's it's a mixed bag, and if you feel like reading it, I think you can go to the YouTube channel. But I think we just had such a positive um, podcast. I don't want to get into the negative. You, you know what? We we still strong. I'm sure we still disagree on this matter because we've talked about it off air as well. Uh, we've continued it to to us to some degree, but it's okay to disagree um, yes. and still and still be okay. I haven't cancelled you kicked you off the podcast and you haven't you haven't cancelled me and gone and started your own so we're all good (laughs) (laughs) we're all good because that's that's where i was starting to despair a little after the last one was that you know doctor who was always in my past fandom before the last 10 years or so it was all about bringing fans together and that's even with our events all people from all different with all different kinds of ideas and thoughts and opinions and whatever, all come together just for the, for the joy of it. And I was in a little bit of despair that um, people were getting too divided, um, even from the top levels, like RTD was purposely doing it. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. But um, 
Yeah. I, I, after this, after this episode, I have, um, not changed what I was thinking about the other ones, but feeling very, very positive and excited about what I saw today. Yeah. Yeah. I think Russell Sermi has things he, he wants to push and we still saw them today. We saw that we saw the ramp into the TARDIS, um, which was making a statement about the fact that the other TARDIS is now wheelchair accessible. Um, and so, and so the whole the whole set inside the TARDIS has been designed to be dis- disability accessible because it's all ramps rather than stairs, which ha- hasn't happened before. Um, and even the entrance, I mean, I, I never knew how K9 got into the TARDIS. How on earth did K9 manage to, to get in? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why you never saw him entering the TARDIS <laughs> because it's just a big, big step there. And so the whole point of putting a disability ramp in there, that's Russell making another point. Um, but I think most people would agree that, you know, we should have accessibility better um, for disability. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the, the world and things, views are changing on all sorts of things. And as I said, it's been, yeah, younger people expect different things from television and what's being filmed than we do. Yeah, we are aging brain with yeah, <laughs> middle-aged <laughs> people and, and just trying to work out, well, what things do matter, what things don't matter. And um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to the future. And yeah, I have no doubt there's going to be stuff that I disagree with, but I can just say I don't care. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it colour, I hope, um, what, what's going on afterwards. Because as I said, I mean, I just reflect, I think last week's episode was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that because of our discussion, we got caught up in five minutes at the, the beginning that really didn't matter at all to the story. And I'm not sure we both were able to enjoy as much as we should have done. What a wonderful episode the rest of the episode was, because I thought, you know, boy, I watched it again today, actually, with some my two two kids who hadn't seen it. And boy, it was brilliant. And and David Tennant and Catherine are just amazing actors in that two-hander. Um, so, yeah, we need, we need to make sure we keep seeing the, the good stuff as well. For sure. Well, Rain, I have really enjoyed looking at these three episodes and it's been fun um, analysing them with you and talking about them and hopefully people enjoy them as well. Thank you. And we'll be back in a few weeks' time, I guess. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. Good grief. It's two. It's just over two weeks. Um, And Susie's first episode. And what's nice is he's kind of established already and we don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff that often happens in those first episodes because he's already the Doctor and he's already in the TARDIS. And I do hope we get to see him choose his costume, but I don't know. I don't know whether we will or not. We'll see. Um, and really looking forward to what I think is going to be another very silly Christmas Russell T Davis show, as they always are. <laughs> as they are. So, Dwayne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Philip. Been a pleasure. And um, we'll talk to you talk to each other soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>